What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint and you walk toward eternity. Here is how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from relationship advice, apologetics, catechesis, evangelization, discipleship, morality, justice, and the list goes on and on and on. And I will sit with your questions. I will pray with them. I will study and hopefully I'll respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint, to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. However, my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. Therefore, I might give you advice. I might respond to your questions with an answer that is not good for you to become a saint, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, then please reject whatever it is that I say that is not good for you. But if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in scripture and in the sacrament so that our God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship over time and your walk toward eternity. If you are a first time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress/askfatherjosh. That's A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. And you can give me questions and comments and critiques give me your own glory stories and your own feedback from today's show and previous shows and for future shows you can also stay in touch with me by checking out my book broken and blessed uh, my other book uh, pocket guide to adoration and my other book pocket guide to the sacrament of reconciliation and if you share the podcast on your social media pages and or uh, like it and subscribe to it and comment on it on our different podcast formats that will help other people to find out about the show if the show's a gift for you potentially it could become a gift for them as well on today's show we're going to talk about growing in patience about third orders and lay orders and finally about true crime ent the entertainment of true crime on television but before we get into those topics i want to share with you a glory story So my glory story is this, and I alluded to it last week, but I feel like I'm in a much better place to share it with you this week. So last week, my sister, my older sister, Cherie, was admitted to the hospital, and um, she was diagnosed with a terminal cancer on Wednesday. Um, and uh, she died on Friday, two days later. So it's been very uh, traumatic for my family. Uh, but there's God is so good. God is so, so good. Over 40 years ago, my sister Sheree approached a Catholic church in my diocese um, because she was interested in becoming Catholic. And she, um, the priest at that parish, because of his own mess and his own imperfections and his own brokenness, he pushed her away from the church. And he became a very a big stumbling block for her to enter into the sacramental life of the church that she so desired to enter into 
so many years ago, really wounded my sister terribly. And, um, and then of course I become a seminarian and then a deacon. And after my diaconate ordination, I was talking to my sister one day and my sister had all these holy cars in her room, St. Anthony and Padua and St. Therese. And I was like, yeah, sister, sister Cherie, do you want to become Catholic? And she said, yeah. Now my sister was in a car accident many year, years earlier that left her paralyzed and unable to speak, um, unable to walk, unable to talk. Um, so we communicated to her through like a cardboard box that we put together with this letters on it. And she would point at the letters and we would you know, have to spell what she was saying. Um, she lost a lot in that car accident, but she didn't lose her personality. She still is the same sister. And so, um, yeah, so she communicates to me that she would like to become Catholic. And, you know, we began to work towards that many years ago. But again, just some, some stuff had come up that were some stumbling blocks. And uh, But she still desired it. And um, so my nephew texted me and said that, you know, my sister was in a hospital with cancer. And um, I just knew. I don't know. It's the Holy Spirit is giving me a sense like you got to go right now, give her the sacraments. And so... I was able to go and be with her and um, and share with her the sacrament of confirmation and the last rites. And then shortly after she received those sacraments, the doctor told us that her her diagnosis was terminal and there was nothing they could do for her. And so she went into hospice and Friday morning, I celebrated the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass in her hospice room. And I was able to give her like a drop of the precious blood in her mouth. And we know what Jesus Christ promises in John chapter six, if you eat my flesh and if you drink my blood, you will have eternal life. So my sister received eternal life. That night I had a wedding uh, for one of my good friends. And um, during the wedding, I like at one point zoned out. Like, I don't know if it was like I blacked out, but like I totally zoned out. And I saw my sister, my sister who had not walked in 32 years was walking and she was walking in a beautiful white wedding dress. And she looked beautiful. And she was walking to a wedding feast between her and the Lamb of God. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I knew at that moment my sister passed away. But I was in the Mass, so I can't check my 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 you know my, my phone. I can't, you know, whatever. So after the Mass was over, I checked my phone. And I, and I saw I had a message from my nephew saying that my sister, his mother, had passed away. And so... Um, I was just filled with so much gratitude to God because he He allowed me to accompany her in the sacraments that she so desired to receive. And then it was even more beautiful because her family, my, my, my nephew, my niece, and my other sister, they were like, you know, when we were talking about where we were going to do the funeral at, they they mentioned this church, you know, why don't we do this church? And I said, well, I could make that happen, you know. And it was so beautiful is that the church that she's going to be buried at is the same church that 40 years ago the priest rejected her at. And um, because of his own stuff and God bless him. And so uh, it was beautiful when I celebrated mass in her room on Friday morning, the responsorial Psalm was the stone that was rejected has become the cornerstone. Mm. Sit with that. Mm. Not only has my sister been received by Jesus and given graces by Jesus through his sacraments, but she's going to get to be buried in the church she wanted to join so many years ago. So I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful to God um, for my sister. And I'm grateful to God for the sacraments. I'm grateful to God for eternity. 
And um, yeah, so my glory story is I am just in awe of what the Lord has done. How the how God, even whenever we make mistakes as people and we become barriers for other people to encounter the love of God and the sacraments, God's bigger than us and he's still made a way, you know? He's still made a way for my sisters. He can make a way for you and for people in your family too. So please pray for the repose of her soul. Her name is Cherie Johnson. She was a delightful human being, a beloved daughter of God the Father, a member of the body of Christ and my sister. And um, and pray for our family as we grieve her, um, her unexpected death, but also as we rejoice in the promises of God and the scriptures that he shares with us for eternal life. So, I got some feedback for y'all. I'm going share some feedback. This comes from Pat. Pat says this, Hey, Father Josh, I'm a 74-year-old woman, and I came back to the faith in my early 50s. My walk toward eternity has had many zigzags, but since discovering you last March 2020, you have been such an inspiration to me and helped me to understand so much about my Catholic faith and how to love Jesus even more. Thank you for all you do for the faith, Pat. Pat, well... God bless you. God bless you. I'm so grateful that uh, the Lord has drawn you back to his church and that you are still learning so much more, right? It's, we can never stop learning. There's always so much more. There's always more grace. So like even like right now, if you are in a place where you find that whenever you pray, you get an insight into prayer and then you immediately want to run and go tell somebody, stop. Sit with the grace because there's typically so much more that God wants for you to receive that sometimes you and I don't receive because we're so quick to tell people what he's doing. Just sit with the grace and relish in the grace and see what God has in store. Speaking of sitting with the graces, let's jump into our first question. Right, first question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this, Dear Father Josh, first, I would like to say that your podcast has been a gift to me, and I truly believe God led me to it as many of your episodes have answered the numerous questions I've had for my uh, years in my head. In my head, I can see something, something in my head. My question is about patience. Father, I am not a patient person. I get so irritated over the imperfections of others, even though I am far from perfect myself. I also get irritated and impatient over very silly things like someone asking me the same questions repeatedly, being slow to order a meal at a restaurant, chewing gum loudly. I don't know why little things like that get to me and they make me so irritated, but I really dislike the feeling, and I especially don't like how my impatience may be hurting those around me. I really desire to love others like Jesus loves me, but I fail every time. Do you have any advice on how to grow in patience and understanding? I look forward to your reply. God bless Anonymous. Yeah, I do. Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I would, I would propose a few things. Number one, rather than focusing on like cultivating virtue, and opposing your vice of impatience and, you know, becoming more, more patient, I would encourage you to just focus on Jesus. I always tell my young men this who are discerning the priesthood, just focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the stuff, discernment. Focus on the face of Jesus. Fall more in love with Jesus and allow Jesus to just draw you, draw you to where he wants you to go 
in your walk toward eternity. I find that the more we look at Jesus, adoration leads to imitation. If I am constantly gazing on Jesus Christ, especially Jesus Christ crucified, I will encounter a God who is so patient with other people. You know, Dismas at one point was cursing him as they were carrying the cross. And then Jesus prayed, Father, forgive him for he knows not what he's done. And then after that, Dismas repented of his sins. Like Jesus Christ was so patient with him. He was so patient. He was so kind. I think that you and I, we can look at him and adoration, and that will lead us to imitation of Jesus Christ crucified. And we too will become more patient, more patient with other people because we are abiding with Christ. We're looking at Christ just by simply spending more time in prayer. So like examine your prayer life. How much time do you spend with God in prayer every day? The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll begin to think like Jesus and act like Jesus and speak like Jesus and listen like Jesus and love like Jesus. So focus more on Jesus and in prayer and your relationship with him than you do on the virtues that you're trying to cultivate or the vices that you're trying to uh, stray away from to, to, to avoid. But in addition to focusing on Jesus, recognize, you know what? We might not be able to ever change the way that other people chew. We might not be able to change the way that people slowly order their meals at restaurants or ask the same questions over and over again. This is beautiful to recognize. I am not in control. Surrender. I am not in control. The only one I can change by the grace of God is me. So I'm going to focus on changing me and how I respond to these many different situations in which I am not in control. Control. We need to surrender. We gotta surrender. Accept it. Surrender. Right. Um, so that's 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 another point. It's just to like recognize I can't control people, but I can control me. So how do I like control me by the grace of God? Well, maybe I can like see what can I change in me to help me to avoid certain things. You know. So um, if I recognize that restaurants are an irritation of sin for me or uh, getting irritated and people ask the same questions again is an irritation of sin. They trigger. Well, who asks the same questions over and over again? If I recognize it's a pattern with that person, then I can approach that person in a different way. Right? God, help me to see this person the way you see them. Help me to know this person the way you know them. Help me to love this person the way you love them. This person who always asks me the same questions over and over and over again, or this person who always orders their meals at restaurants very slowly, or this person who always chews oh so loudly is the body of Christ. And Jesus, I want to love you in them. I want to abide in relationship with you in them. And I know if I reject them, then ultimately I am rejecting you. I don't want to reject you. So I will abide in holy communion with them. Again, it all goes back to our own interior life. The more time we spend with God, the more God's graces will rub off on us and transform us. And so I would just really encourage you to focus on Jesus, your love for Jesus, and then focus on yourself. And what can you do to be changed by the grace of Jesus so that as you encounter this very messy world and imperfect world, you can respond differently to the different circumstances you find yourself 
encountering today and tomorrow and the next day. So anonymous, let me know if you found that to be helpful. Next question comes in from Jenna from Foxborough. Jenna writes this, a few months ago, I met my spiritual director for the first time. She said she wanted to give me a book. And when she was looking at her shelf, a book fell over about St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, who I love so much, y'all. I have a first class relic of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. My friend Jen Settle, who's a consecrated virgin, has a big devotion to her. I, I love her so much. I heard the name, but I didn't know much about her and thanked her for the book. The next day, I saw a quote by her pop up on my Instagram. Then I heard about a Buying Together's Lenten book on St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. So that night, I cracked open the book. I literally fell over when I read the first page. We share the same birthday. I kept reading. She lost her father to a heart issue at age seven. I lost mine to a heart issue at age five. And she is the patron saint of people who have lost parents. And I've been praying for a deeper spiritual connection to my dad. After diving into her more, I keep having a thought pop into my head and my heart that maybe God is calling me to be a third order Carmelite. I was wondering if you could touch on the Carmelites a bit and how the third order of the laity came to be as well as any tips for helping me to discern this with my husband. I did recently start wearing the brown scapular and was enrolled by my priest. I would love to hear your thoughts on the Carmelites and on the lay Carmelites in particular Thank you so much for what you're doing for the church and for Jesus Christ. Please never stop singing. Uh, well, I'm, I'm grateful you say that. My dad, uh, he was just telling me to stop singing. He said, boy, you can't sing. But uh, I nonetheless shall continue. I will continue. So, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, a few things. Number one, um, so... When it comes to discerning, number one, I think the saints pick us. The saints pick us. We don't get to pick the saints. The saints always pick us. And so I think it's just really, really important to pay attention to that, that we are chosen by the saints. And so whenever we feel drawn, it's like we need to discern, okay, is this saint have a special relationship with me to draw me to a deeper intimacy with Jesus. Maybe this charism of St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, right? Their, their charism might be helpful for me to abide with Jesus. So is God calling me to a deeper relationship with Jesus through a particular charism of a particular saint? So that's, that's one thing that I think we should pay attention to. Number, number two is, yeah, there are like oblates for the Benedictines and there are secular Carmelites, laypersons who can become Carmelites, uh, and, and also family members of like communities like the service of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary. And so, yeah, yeah. Number one, yeah, it's, it's definitely possible for that to happen. But with a yes to joining a and really discerning, like you should really take time, just as you should take time to discern marriage, which is a commitment. Uh, and graces come, sacramental graces come with that commitment. There are graces that come with living out the rule of life of a particular spirituality and charism whether it's Benedictine or Carmelite or Franciscan or whatever, uh, there are graces that come, but there's also responsibilities that come with it as well. There are responsibilities. And so I just really would encourage you to recognize like it's not something that you should do lightly. If I were you, I would take a few years to discern this with your spiritual director and with the Carmelite community if they have one in, in your area. Uh, because again, like, there are graces that are attached, but responsibilities you promise you will live out for the rest of your life. So 
that's that's certainly one thing I would encourage you to discern. When it comes to the the secular order of the discalced Carmelites, lay persons, lay people like you, who choose to live in the world, you make a free commitment. You make a free commitment to live an evangelical life of fraternal communion imbued with the spirit of contemplative prayer and apostolic zeal according to the example and the teaching of the Carmelite saints. You can come from any particular walk of life. Be a man, be a woman, be a restaurant worker, be a person who picks up the trash once a week to a person who's a stay-at-home mom, to a nurse or a doctor, to someone who's retired or a student in school. You can be married, you can be single, you can be young, you can be old, you could be a little bit in the middle. But the goal is that you are striving to live your life in the world with the Carmelite spirituality, but not of the world. Being drawn by St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross to a particular kind of prayer that invites you, that you feel inspires you to be in union and communion with God, to be intimate with Jesus, like we saw with Teresa of Avila and Teresa of Lisieux and Elizabeth of the Trinity, to allow that intimacy with God to, to impact every single part of your life as a lay person, whether you are at home or in your neighborhood or at work or in ministry, to allow everything to be inspired and nurtured by your love of Jesus Christ in prayer and the Carmelite spirituality of prayer. So if you feel yourself drawn to a more intense way of praying, then yeah, I think that you should begin to look into it recognize by you accepting to live the life of a late Carmelite, you will open yourself up to numerous graces, but it's also a great responsibility. So are you being drawn by the saints of Carmel to abide with Jesus through their way of life? Discern that. And if so, do you believe that you have the capacity to live out their particular rule that comes with being a lay Carmelite or if you're Benedictine, uh, oblate, or if you're Franciscan, right, a lay Franciscan. So it's all about discernment, 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 and take your time. Invite Elizabeth to accompany you in your discernment. But you don't have to make a decision overnight. Take your time. Because sometimes we're drawn to spiritualities and charisms for a season, and sometimes we're drawn to them for a lifetime. And we get ourselves into big trouble when we think we can commit to a lifetime charism that God only invited us to participate in for a season. So take your time. You know, when I became a priest, I went to seminary for eight years. Eight years. So it's a big commitment I made, but I also took a long time to make that commitment. So I'd encourage you to take a couple of years to really pray about this and discern this with your spiritual director. And I will not stop singing. I will keep singing. Yes, yes, I will. So before we come to our final question, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into that question. See you in a bit. Did you know that every single item in a Catholic church points us towards heaven? Make every visit to a Catholic church a powerful reminder of God's presence with a new book from Ascension, The Sacred That Surrounds Us by Andrea Zachman. 
The sacred that surrounds us awakens Catholics to the mystery of the seemingly ordinary items we see every week at Mass. It explains with clarity the symbolic realities and historical facts of each one. To order The Sacred That Surrounds Us, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can send me your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh if you're feeling fancy you can record a voice note send it to me as well we will play it on a future show and don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats that will help us to find out if the show is helpful for you and it will help other people to experience the gift of the show if it's a gift for you last question comes from Diana Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not in my last show but someone asked a while back about Dottie and they said what song is that and I didn't know Lottie Dottie we likes to party, or as one of my other brother priests said, and shocked me because he's like super, super holy. I was like, yeah, somebody asked a question. It said like, sing, sing my name, Daddy, in a song. And he was like, Daddy, Daddy, da. It's the one and only. And I was like, what up, brother? That's a bad song. Don't be singing that song around me. <laughs> oh, man, crazy. So Diana writes this, true crime stories about real murders and other serious crimes is getting increasingly popular in the media, including on TV and in podcasts. Is it okay for Catholics to watch or listen to true crime for entertainment or could it be harmful to our souls? Maybe. Yeah, it could be harmful to your souls and, you know, it could be good to watch it. I think like what's the intention? Is the intention to be informed and to better understand how people might think, especially if you might be sheltered and like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that people actually think this way and that I could be around people who are sociopaths who might be out to get me. Like That could be potentially helpful. Um, but if we are the delight in people's sin, that would be a problem. If we see them and their sin on TV and pray for their conversion and pray for the souls of those whom they killed and also try to understand it better, like that's cool. But if we're just watching it because we're like, oh my goodness, I delight in watching people get killed and, and nah, that's not good. I would say this though, if you're going to watch it on TV, like we typically find out what's best and helpful when we read books, right? If you have an inclination to turn on the television, and watch it, then go read a book on true crime. And you will get way more informative information from reading a book than watching a TV show that only lasts for 30 minutes to an hour. If you've ever seen The Passion of Christ, that movie is so good. However, the book is so much better. If you ever watched the TV show The Chosen, the TV show is so good. I'm becoming a huge fan of it right now. But the book is way better, right? Movies typically take away a lot of what is revealed in the books. Have you ever seen The Lord of the Rings? If you've ever been around somebody who has read all the books for The Lord of the Rings, they would tell you the movie is nothing compared to the books. I've only seen the movie. I ain't never read the book. Same thing with Narnia, right? In the book of Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is supposed to be Christ. And in the movie, that can be lost. But the, the book describes it in detail. Aslan could have ripped to shreds the people who were attacking, but he chose not to, right? So... I would encourage you really to read books if you're that interested and don't just settle for television, which only gives us a little peace and pay attention to your intentions. Am I watching this because I I want to genuinely understand people and learn about people and understand this because I want to pray for people who've committed these crimes and pray for the souls of those who've been afflicted by these crimes? Or do I just watch this because I find it entertaining to see people kill people? If that's the case, then I would say you really need to like step back for a minute and discern what's beneath that. What's going on underneath that? And when it comes down to it, if you want to watch good TV, I'm serious, y'all. Watch some Ascension materials on YouTube, Father Mike's you know, podcasts, his videos, 
watch the chosen watch some of the ascension catechetical videos we put out they got some really good stuff out there that's way better than some of this stuff on television but that's just what i think oh also real quick this is what fulton sheen actually would say in his book three to get married on page 68 he says this there must always be a mystery in life once it disappears life becomes banal one wonders if the reason for the popularity of murder mysteries today is because they fill up the void created by the loss of the mysteries of the faith. Ooh, that man be preaching. The extreme interest in murder mysteries is a sign that people are more interested in how a person is killed than in the eternal lot of the one who is killed. So long as there is nothing undisclosed and unrevealed in life, there is no longer a joy in living. The zest of life partly comes from the fact that there is a door that is yet unopened, a veil that has not yet been lifted, a note that has not yet been struck. Mm. Fulton Sheen, 3D Get Married, page 68. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. God, we thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the sacraments. God, I ask that right now, anybody who has walked away from the sacraments, I ask that you pierce their heart right now and you draw them back to your love, to your love in the sacraments, in confession, and in the Eucharist, in confirmation. God, I ask that anybody right now in the world who has not received the sacrament of baptism, that they will be open to perceiving and receiving your love in the sacrament of baptism. God, help us all. Help us all to come to a better appreciation of the gifts that you have given us in our walk toward eternity and to not settle for anything less than a relationship with you in the sacramental life of the church that you founded so many years ago. Thank you for your mercies, God, for your divine mercies. You are good. You are good. You are good. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, God. We love you and we thank you for your generosity. Draw my sister with bands of love to the wedding feast so that she can abide in relationship with you forever and ever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, y'all. God bless, and if I don't see you on earth, I pray I will see you in heaven. Deuces. Deuces.